Hey everyone, uh, Rizwan here from Toku Secrets, and I'm joined by Nathan Desaw. Hey, Anthony Davis. Alright, um, tonight we're gonna continue where we left off last night with, uh, our Tokizu review. Previously we did episodes 1 through 10, so if you haven't heard those yet, I recommend stopping where you are, going back, listen to part 1, and then come back to part 2. Got it? Okay, so we're going to talk about Tokyo episodes 11 to 16 tonight. And just as a reminder, this is a way for us to break it down by saga, more or less, in the main events uh, in Tokyo, in Resta Sentai Tokyo. Um, like we were saying before, there's a lot of filler, and there's a lot of things, uh, like more filler than anything else. But. Um, we're about to hit on a major point. I'm going to let Nathan kind of talk about some more, and then we'll uh, go from there. Nathan. All right, appreciate it, Riz. Uh, so, so to start off, uh, basically episodes, uh, or stations as they're called here in Tokyo, 11 and 12, they're more like combined into a two-parter, and we do get a few of these uh we actually get a few of these in Tokyo. I think this could be considered the first big one. Yeah, and, definitely. <clears throat> and, epi- and episode 11 starts off, and it's called The Emperor of Darkness. And, well, it features the arrival of the Emperor of Darkness. Uh, dun, basically, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so basically what happens is that in the episode, the Tokyo are enjoying a day off at the amusement park and right i'm not sure exactly but basically right gets gets cut off well not exactly cut off he gets separated from the others and while he's out he meets this young man who appears to have some sort of fascination with this shining balloon and like and while he sits down and he's talking to right he reveals that he has more of a fascination for shining things I find that weird that he's like into shiny balloons. Like balloons aren't really shiny, dude. Pretty yeah. shiny, shiny. Unless you get one of those really cheap ones, like the ones that are like sparkly paper stuff. But yeah. that wasn't one of them. That was like a red balloon, I think, right? I think so, actually. Kind of funny though. Yeah. Look at the shiny object. Oh wait, you're not really shiny. But look at the shiny object. <laughs> he could have been fascinated with someone else, like maybe a ring or something. I mean, that. I would be. much prefer if you were fascinated by like some jewelry yeah. that uh, right wore or something. But you know, that's to each his own. Yeah, I think they explain it like what he said. You were breaking up, Anthony. Say that again. Yeah. All right, hang on. Um, can you hear me now? Yep. Oh, what I was saying was that like, I think they'll explain it later on how like what he means when he actually like shiny things. Yeah, that's a pretty big plot point, which we'll get to later yeah. on. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> so at first it looks like this guy's just probably gonna be a standard guest star that we that we'll pretty much just see in this episode and then he'll be gone and we'll never see him again but it quickly turns out that that's not the case because a bunch of the uh, sh- 
actually not a bunch. Uh, all of the Shadowline villains, at least the villains that we had up until this point, at, at this point, show up, and that includes General Schwartz, who the Tolkujers, I'm pretty sure, already encountered in a filler episode before, uh, and he introduces them to the other two big villains that we have here. That would be <clears throat> that would be uh, Baron Nero and Madame Noir. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Okay. And the, and they end up and once they show up, they uh, <clears throat> they reveal that this young man that Wright was talking to was none other than the Shadow Lines leader and the Emperor of Darkness, Zet. And we're just like, what? Because in the beginning of the episode, like all of us, all of the the villains except uh, even um. What was the guy's name? You just you just, just said uh, Schwartz and Nero. Nero, Nero. They're all waiting for their leader to arrive on their train. They're all like big ceremony for his arrival, and then they we see this monster come out, and it's like, wait, that's that's not our leader. Like, where's 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 Stamper? He's like, well, he's not here right now. He's off doing his own business. So it was it was a nice reveal. They can sort of change it up because we assumed that it was going to be like some freaky looking monster demon or something, you know. That part, I personally like the idea of having at least one villain with a human form uh, because I think I said this in another video I made. Usually, whenever a villain is given a human form, they're usually they're either a villain that is one second. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, so basically, uh, what well, what was happening was that what I said was that whenever a villain is given a human form, they're usually either the ones that are redeemed or the most complex, at least. So yeah. the idea of having a villain with a human form in this Sentai was actually really cool. So it's really refreshing because normally you see like these big monsters with scales and horns and nails and claws and yeah. Good lord, they're like frightening little monsters. Unless you're like, I don't know, the thing from Power Rangers in space with the he was like the bee thing. Then oh, he's yeah. a, then he's a stupid looking. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was really I was actually pretty excited to see like a human villain that had like what in my mind he has like no superpowers or anything. He's just like a random little dude with you know monsters at his beck and call. A lot of people were expecting that he was gonna be Tokyo Six. A lot of people have many theories on what he's going to be. And, well, and to be fair, I can kind of see where they were going because for a while I thought that Z was also going to be Tokyo 6 because, like, we already have, like, one scene where he's clearly already having an established relationship with Wright, so. See, I was going to say that he'll be Tokyo 6, but around the time that I started watching Tokyo Zero, like, I watched from the beginning, but I didn't watch religiously every week. I'd watch like like five episodes like in one weekend or something, and in five weeks I wouldn't watch them. I'd watch again. So for me, it'd be like, well, okay, crap. We have I've seen photos of Tokyo Six, and it's an orange suit. And in my mind, I'm not Zet's not gonna be orange. That's just kind of no. He's not an orange-looking kind of guy. He seems more purple to me because of yeah. the outfit he wears. So I was like, Tokyo Seven purple around like episode forty, maybe. 
it and what's really funny i'm not i'm not gonna spoil anything but it, it's we we actually get to that point it's gonna be funny when i bring it up yeah but um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know if i know what you're talking about it really is gonna be funny yeah it's hilarious <laughs> anyway so anyway basically all the other Tolkien show up and the episode pretty much ends with <clears throat> with the Tolkien fighting all the the villains that are there that being General Schwartz and <clears throat> that being General Schwartz Baron Nero and Madame Noir and they pretty much get their butts kicked <clears throat> and they're ready to and they're ready to finish off the Tolkien but Z is but Z Zed, sorry, who is apparently fascinated by their shining light, orders the Tolkien not to, orders the villains not to destroy the Tolkien and but then it turn but then just as that happens, Zed starts to weaken, which of course makes sense because even though he he is fascinated by shadow shining things, he still is a shadow at the end of the day. And I think it was established. Uh, earlier in the series that when shadows are exposed to like, too much light they'll start to weaken and possibly die so like, yeah. didn't we like a witch or a zombie or a vampire but without the there you go vampire that's what I was trying to think of mm-hmm. like, I know it's some kind of movie monster witch vampire I'll get to it eventually <laughs> anyway so <clears throat> so they so the shadow line retreats, and in order to keep the Tolkien busy, they launch uh, three dark liners at the Tolkien who they who they quickly destroy with uh, Tokuo and Dieselo, and and then the episode ends on a cliffhanger where the Tolkien are getting ready to leave for the next station, and then a new shadow monster called the Lamp Shadow, who's who's apparently a new monster that uh, Zet is using. Yeah, he yeah he was there in the in the beginning of uh, the episode too. Okay. It, he basically uses this light, and basically what happens is that all the Tolkien except for Wright are pretty much left. I, I guess I want to say that it takes away their imagination, and because of that, <laughs> we had to say that at least once in the video. I, I, exactly. It is a quota. As long as we're talking about Tolkien or whenever Tolkien gets mentioned. You must say, Imagination! Now I said it twice. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> and, and since they're not able to, and since they don't have imagination, they cannot see the races, which we, and we even established that in the previous episode with Togachi dies at sunset. And they can uh, also... that episode. Yeah. <laughs> and they can also not become Tokugers anymore. So that leads into the next episode, Station Twelve, which, which, like, just to give a brief, brief preview, this episode was actually kind of cool. Like, it did kind of, it definitely helped like piece together some of the, pu- some of the parts of the puzzle that revolved around their past, at least. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. basically to kind of sum it up, um, uh, Togachi, Mio, Hikari, and Kagura, since they're devoid of their imagination. They're pretty much all around like doing like typical career related stuff. Mm-hmm. And Wright is going around trying to convince them like it's basically like like what are you guys doing? You know, we're Tolkien's and you know, they're probably just gonna look at him just being like, What the heck are you talking about? And uh so <clears throat> so what happens is that 
So basically what happens with the episode at the end, um, like, I might need my memory refreshed because I can't remember exactly how they regain their memories. Um, so basically, Wright goes around trying to convince them all to, you know, they're turkeys, they're, they're good guys, they're fighters, they're warriors, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And during the uh, during the time he's been doing this, he starts having flashbacks to when they're children, and he remembers, um, and this happens a lot during the first ten episodes as well, where... There's this one little flashback with no real context about a really big tree on a hill. Mm-hmm. And Wright starts remembering about a clubhouse that they had there and how when they were kids, he would um, they would go up there and play and hang out. They even had like a clubhouse. It's pretty cool, actually. I'm kind of jealous of them. That's a really cool place to have a clubhouse. So, you know, every every kid has, like, their own way of making a clubhouse and a treehouse and all this good jazz. And, well, the rule for this one was if you're going to be in this uh, treehouse hanging out and playing with everyone, you have to have a pass to get in. And so they all make, a, they all make their own pass to enter their treehouse. And it's really kind of cool. Like, they have, like, rules written on, like, okay... Um, we will always support each other, we'll always be, like, friends with each other, we'll always be there for each other. And, like, we have a couple of rules that are not as consequential as anything else, but... Basically, these passes that are written on paper as when, uh, when they're children are actually the passes they use to board the Rainbow Line now as Tokizers. It just kind of transformed into something more high-tech looking, which is... Actually, kind of common in a to- uh, Toku world. Yep. Um. So, yeah, the, he he remembers that, and he starts reminding them of the past, and that triggers them to uh, revert back to Tokizer status, and they fight Lampsado, uh, all the five of them together. Yeah. And defeat him, and go off to the next railway, I- and. Yeah, good. I'm I, I'm gonna say this like every so often there is like either a tokusatsu or in any television show there has to be some type of point where half of the main cast are like lost their memories. They have to remember who they are and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, because it's been done both in tokusatsu and Power Rangers and like, anime. Anime. Look at Digimon. No, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, so. Before we go to 13 and onwards, I'm Did just gonna... You... What? We did mention a show, Tokyo, right? I believe so, but if not, um, yeah, we had the birth of So Tokyo in this episode, which is basically the combination of Diesel, uh, Dieselo and Tokyo into one bigger mecha. Yeah. It's actually a bit of a badass, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm pretty... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, I was just saying, I like the look about show Tokyo. That, it, yeah, it yeah. I'll admit that the whole thing sticking out from the shoulders looks kind of silly, but I've kind of grown to expect some kind of silly stats. Tokyo uh, with a, yeah. uh, with a uh, mecha. Yeah, I like the uh, visor he has. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. And now, what, wasn't there something about them not being able to combine into it like that? Yeah, we're going to touch that on in episode 13, I believe. Yeah, they actually acknowledge that in the next episode. Yeah. 
So, um, before we get to that, though, I'm going to just take a moment to talk about this because I feel this is really important to talk about here. So, we get episode 11 where the big bad, basically the guy who is the big bad villain of the entire season, appears. And he does a pretty dick move. He goes off and, um, like, you know, tests them and toys with them a little bit by letting them go free from the big battle where he could have just easily wiped them out. And then he plays with them. He sends Lamsato out to do the test, see how if they'll get their imagination back and if they'll still sparkle after. He was really doing this to make them sparkle. Like, he wanted to test the limits. Now, this kind of renewed my interest in Tokyo to be quite honest, because before that, like I said in part one, filler, 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 little bitty plot. And by little bitty, I mean tiny little bit. Nothing really consequential happening. And then more filler. So I expected the entire season to turn around at this point and we get into something more cool. Like maybe some direction. Because as of right as of before Zed's appearance, there is no real direction. There's no real overall hierarchy uh, goal we're trying to get to. There is nothing. It's go from town to town, vanquish the uh, shadow, bring back the light, and go on. There is nothing going on here. But, again, Tokyo disappoints me because the next couple episodes are filler. But the filler is actually kind of good in some cases. I actually like some of the filler we got. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my little soapbox t uh, rant about this part of Tokyo because I feel like it needs to be said. And, uh, and as Rich said, speaking of good filler, the next two, ep the next two episodes, while technically filler, are actually kind of decent filler episodes uh basically uh basically at the beginning of episode 15 no, no no 13 sorry about that um we figure out that <clears throat> that since the tokyujers have been using show tokyo too much the main ratios are damaged and in order to gain more power in order to create uh in order to create uh show tokyo they have to find other support ratios. So, in the next episode, um, the Tokyujers are sent after a faint support ratio, which, <clears throat> which in the episode, Wright finds out that it's the fire ratio, and the episode pretty much ends with them using Dethalo to fight with fire ratio, which is a really cool support ratio. Actually, I really like it. It's ba it basically doubles as it basically becomes a gun that can be both a fire extinguisher and a fire gun, which I really like because it instantly reminded me of an alternate mode that what that the main writer for one of my favorite Common Rider series, Common Rider Forze, had, where the main <clears throat> where the main writer had this uh, alternate mode called Fire States mode, and it actually and it gave him this gun that could be both a fire gun and a fire extinguisher. So I really like that and. Aside from giving us a really cool ratio, it it was also kind of cool because it did kind of give, it kind of established a little bit of the relationship between Wright and Neo, like not a love relationship, but more like kind of showing how different Wright and Neo work. Like, I'm not sure how to explain it, but like, do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it may have been a filler episode, but it's. It, this series does it. 
this series does surprisingly have some filler episodes that are actually kind of cool, and this is one of them. Uh, I feel like there there's some good filler. I'm not going to say too much about Feaster, but there is good filler. I just don't think there's as much as as I would like there to be. The filler that we do get, by and far, is mediocre or not that great for the most part. It's not as interesting. But then there are a couple of gems that we're going to actually talk about in episode 14. Yes, episode 14 <laughs> is definitely one of the... Uh, it's actually our collective favorite filler episode in the, in the season, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think so. And it's probably... And- and it definitely is because it's an episode devoted to, uh, I'm pretty sure he's all, every single one of, like, all three of our favorite uh, Tokyo uh Hikari. Well, he's our favorite main Tokyo let's put it that way. Yeah. Yo, guys, you guys will figure out what we mean in the next video. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, anyway, so what happens is basically the premise of the episode is that the the Tokyujers are still looking for new support ratios, and they stop at this one station where they think there's a new one, and and while they're out there, a very incompetent and somewhat crazy cop arrests all the Tokyujers except Hikari, who stayed behind to read a detective book, because apparently there's been a series of robberies on the station, and basically the episode is Hikari... Who ha- who dresses up like Sherlock Sherlock Holmes, which is just badass. Um, it's actually pretty fun. I love this episode. He's pretty much going around trying to catch the real culprit, and it was it was a really cool episode. I I really enjoyed it. Basically, what happens is that uh, it it really just shows how Hikari is definitely the most intelligent, and in my opinion, the most competent Tokyuger. Uh, like. You guys got anything to say about it? Well, okay, for me, Hikari is probably my favorite Tokyuzer in the season for one simple reason. He has a really cool character. He's not... Okay, like, I, I, I don't know if we really touched on it too much last part. We're going to do, like, a character review of everything at the end of this uh, mini-series review. Mm-hmm. But right up until this point, has been a pretty lousy leader. Um... Even Mio called him out in episode 13 when Wright put getting food over finding their support fire Ressa. And, you know, it, it, Wright's just not that interesting to me. I find him kind of boring, actually. He needs to. Because he has the same answer for everything you do in life. I can see it in my head. I can see the way to win in my imagination. I imagine our victory is Yeah. For him to be the one with the most imagination, I mean, no, I, I, I still think, no matter what the show says, I still think Kagura has the most imagination. Uh, and speaking, okay, Kagura is a really good character. See, it's probably my second favorite of the fi- uh, main five. So, Kagura's pretty badass. I love her. She's adorable. Yes. She's sweet. You can't actually hate Kagura. You just can't. I hate Kagura. Um, Mio is pretty, she's kind of bland. I mean... There isn't much to her, really. So she's kind of the motherly figure that takes care of Kagura when Kagura gets kind of upset with whatever's going on in that episode. Yeah. And she, she goes around mothering everyone. She's like, well, right, you gotta be more responsible. Oh, well, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And I'm like, God, have some character aside from being, like, the... Me, me and my mom. Me and my mom. <laughs> yeah. 
And then there's Takati. I mean, Takati just... He's just there. I, I'm sorry. He sucks as a character. He really is horrible as a character. I mean, yeah, I know he's a nerd, and that's he's a nerdy kind of guy, but... And I'm a nerd and all that stuff, but... Yeah, we're, we're all pretty much nerds, but there's a, yeah. there's a limit where there's, you can't just be that nerdy. I mean, come on. I mean, okay... When when I, when it began, I was like, okay, Takati is gonna be like the smart nerdy one who solves all the things. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. He's just really nerdy, really ner- uh, fumbling around. He has no redeeming character qualities, in my opinion. In the very first episode, what does he do? He trips getting out of the train. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of painful. Yeah, and I don't even think the show was trying to hide. The fact that he's probably the most incompetent fighter ever, because like his main weapon is a blaster, and st- like yeah. even Kagura, who they're trying to establish is re- a really bad fighter, at least has a more close combat sort of weapon. So even his weapon shows that he's definitely not a competent fighter. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's the four characters, but then. Hikari, Tokyo Green, for whatever. Is he four? Tokyo Yongo. Yongo. No, he's four, yeah, Tokyo four. Okay, yeah. I mean, look. The things I was saying for Takagi to be, Hikari was it. Yes. He was really brainy. He was really resourceful. He was the one that was always figuring out what to do next. He was the one with the game plan. And up until then, he was in the back of our minds. Like, he, you know, he has moments where... He told everyone that, you know, you're losing focus on what's really important here mm-hmm. and all that, but there wasn't very much depth to his character, and I was getting concerned that there wouldn't be, given Takata's had, like, what, seven filler episodes so far? Mm-hmm. That's a gross over-exaggeration, but there's a lot of Takati filler up until now and after this point, and I'm quite frankly really tired of Takati filler, when there could have been filler for better characters, like... Hikari, or Kagura, or even Wright, for God's sake. I'd have been okay with Wright having more of a character than, hey, I'm hungry, let's eat. He's not Goku. Nope. But unfortunately, I mean, you could kind of say, and I don't mean to offend Anthony here because I'm about to talk about one of his favorite Sentai characters, but I can really kind of say that Hikari is just like, it's a replay of our previous Sentai Green and Cure Uger. We're like, he's a really interesting character and he's really awesome, but unfortunately the show could care less about him and really doesn't want to give him any development. What is about our green our green Sentai ranges? Why why are we like them? Why I like them so much? I don't get this. Do you like Doc? Mm, not really. Okay. He was eh. He was I mean, eh. Doc was really eh. I mean, he wasn't all that great. Doc and Takati would really get along. Yeah, they would get along. Because they're both similar. And they, they both dress similar, too. I just noticed that. Oh, my God, in... they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because you think about it, you know how, like, uh, Tokachi, he'll put, like, his uh, his, le- his, le- his pants. They'll always roll them up for some reason. Like, his pants legs will roll them up for some reason. Yeah. He's Togachi's pose doesn't look awkward like he's wiping his hands on his pants after he's gone to the bathroom or something. <laughs> no, that, was, uh, that was Doc, not Takati. Takati, he bows. That's what's really, what's really yeah. odd. He bows. 
they're both awkward poses, I guess. They really are. But, but um, anyway, I really loved the detective story. I wish there was more of it. I really like the fact that, okay, I've probably said this before. I've probably not. I don't even know anymore. But Hikari and his kingdom are the best thing in the world. It, 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 it's like, okay, I've read articles about, like, people who are ADD and they have, like, this one thing they have to do to, like, focus their brains because they're too smart to just do one thing at a time. Takati is basically that. He has a kingdom of it, which for those that don't know... You said, stick. uh, Takati, not Hikari, sorry. Uh, wow. I am so sorry, Hikari. That was, that was a bad insult to Hikari. I am so sorry. Please, like, Toku <laughs> gods, please forgive me for my sin, for I have sinned. I that really was, have. I'm not even uh, facetious or like sarcastic here. I was just that was bad. Hikari's a nice guy. He'll probably forgive you. He yeah. probably will. He forgave Kagura when he broke when he see broke the Kendama. Yeah, yeah, like that's, that's like his first prize possession, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so t- Takati has the Kendama with what? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I am done. Hikari has the kingdom. Hikari has the kingdom, and for those that don't know, it's a stick with a cup with a string attached to a ball. You flick the wrist, try to get the ball into the cup, and if you get it and you win a prize, I don't know. It's 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 like it, a mind game. It's like a, it's it's more or less like a ball in a cup, but it's like it's Japanese, you know. Ball in a cup. Yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah, he uses that in the same way Dr. House on House MD uses, like, his ball to bounce on the wall. Hikari does the same thing. He has to have something in his in his hands doing something to focus him in on what's going on around him. And using the kingdom to think helps enable him to catch the shadow of the weak and put him behind bars and destroy him and get his tokies or friends out of jail and tell the detective, hey, you're kind of screwed up. Yep. Oh, and I will say this. I'm not sure if, like, a lot of you um, viewers out there actually watch this anime, but the moment when I saw, like, Hikari, like, running in, like, like this outfit he had on, he actually really reminded me of Yusuke Yorameshi from Yu Hakusho. Because, like, that's, that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except Hikari wore a Sherlock Holmes-esque coat. Yeah. And a hat. Did he have a pipe? I don't know if he had a pipe or not. I've, in my mind, he has a pipe. I think he did. That if was just, he didn't, pretend I, he has a pipe. You can pretend... Nah, never mind. Oh, no. He has a pipe. That's all there is to it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagination! Imagination! Okay, we're at our limit now. So, basically... Uh, so, pretty much the episode ends. Uh, Hikari saves the day, and they also end up getting a new support ratio called the uh, police ratio. Which they combine with uh, Tokyo, and uh, the the police ratio is actually pretty cool. It's definitely one of my favorite support ratios. Uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, SPD and Decker Ranger. Yeah, I was reminded of Decker Ranger a lot with this one. Yeah, even the episode itself also does kind of poke a little bit of fun at a uh, at a uh, <clears throat> Decker Ranger since there's a scene where since there were a few scenes where like the detective, one of the detectives who arrests the Tokyo's. He's constantly being called boss by some of the lower detectives, and he said, and he keeps on saying, "Don't call me boss," which was kind of a joke that they did in Decker Ranger somewhere, where Bond Decker Red would constantly call Hoji 
uh, Deca Blue, uh, his partner, and Hoji would always say, don't call me partner. So yeah. <laughs> it was actually kind of a funny nod to Deca Ranger. Speaking of that police officer guy, um, I know it's probably going to sound like, I'm probably going to like sound like cliched or not, but I really like almost like, as I first watched this episode, I was assuming so much that the police officer was the shadow in disguise trying to like get Tokyo's in trouble. That's why I, I thought. thought so too. I was like, why is he not the shadow? That would be even more perfect. Get rid of a bumbling idiot who probably said to be a detective anyway. Yeah, like. I feel bad for out of town wanting to go back to normal. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but still, but still, aside from that, maybe what have made it perfect, it's still a pretty awesome episode anyway. Yeah. It was. So, uh, the next episode, uh, Station 15, it is called The Thing in Your Heart. Uh, mm. And basically, uh, now, now I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, this is these, this is one of the episodes that's not exactly as fresh in my mind because a lot of the episodes, especially before uh, Station 17, are kind of buzzing on me, so I'm going to try and explain this episode as best as I possibly can. If you want, I can do it. Yeah, that'd probably be better. Yeah, this I can, was I can do that. my most hated episode, man. I hate this episode. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about little mods and boo, dude. That's cool. We haven't gotten to my most hated episode yet, though. And it's probably <laughs> going to be a while, but yeah. Alright. So, the gang realizes that they're doing some tests on the train, or they, they're discussing... The imagination among all the Tokizers. And it's concluded after the process that Mio has the least amount of imagination among all five of them. And this starts to weigh down on Mio because he's like, well, I'm just kind of dragging the team down. I'm kind of like useless. They don't really need me to be better off without me, all this bull, whatever. Like, just thinking like that. So. They get to the new station, and there's a saddle here named Hammer Saddle. Hammer Saddle? Yeah. Yeah. And this dude is actually probably the most powerful saddle I've seen in the season. He's actually the best looking one I've seen, too. The way, the way he looks design-wise, yeah. like, pretty cool. He's probably the best saddle I've seen in the season, so, yeah. Um, and I definitely he, like... Uh... I definitely like his gimmick with what he does with his hammer. Because... Yeah, I want to get to that. Yeah. So, anyway, his ability is extracting the deepest desire that you have. So, and then he'll smash it in front of you with a hammer. So, if you desire, like, I don't know, um, the girl next door, he'll extract that desire from within you, make a replica of whatever it is you want, Take his big ass hammer and destroy it. He'd be like, nope. You like this thing? Nope. Bam. Gone. I'll destroy it. Um, if you, like little kids, like a toy. Oh, you like this toy? Nope. Gone. This toy's gone. Oh, you it. like this uh car? Nope. Gone. Done. No more. Definitely a creative way to uh, create uh, negative energy, though. So yeah, it is because the thing about Tokyo is they're always trying to get more darkness. It's like a harvesting for them. And the Tokyo's are like, well, we're here to stop that and get the light back. So. Alright, so, um, anyway, going on. Um, the Tokyo's fight the Hammer Sado, and 
Hammersado sees Mio as Toku uh, 3 and uses the skill on her and extracts a little creature named Mikey from within her. And in Japan, the best way to describe the creature is that he looks like a sumai. And for those, for those that don't know, a sumai is a pork dumpling. So, question number one. Do children in Japan play with toys that resemble food? And if Fine, so, point. what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Mikey just looks kind of creepy to me, too. Like, yeah. Just weird. So, Hammersado is unable to destroy Mikey because Mikey is too powerful and like overpowers him and runs away. Mio follows him confused as hell and is like what is going on here? And as Mio follows he's like wait you're the uh, toy that I had um, growing up. Actually um, Hikari is the one who figures it out. Yay Hikari being awesome again. So Hikari reminds her of the toy and how it's possible that Mio desired the toy back in her life so much that uh, Hammerstadt was able to uh, pull a mental representation of the toy and make it into like an actual creature. And it, he basically, Mikey was holding back the imagination that Mio had because see, it was too painful for her to remember Mikey existed, I, I think. Um... So Hikari helps hide Mio and Mikey away, and Hammer Sato finds him. But the Tokyo users are able to hold the Sato forces back enough, but it's not good enough. Mikey has to sacrifice himself to save Mio from Hammer Sato's attack, but by doing so, he grants her the imagination that she's been lacking all this time, and this really overpowers. Mio with the imagination to defeat the Sato. But before they can actually defeat the Sato, Zendril Swartz appears, steals away Hammer Sato, and the Tokyo users are left to deal with the Kreiner Robos again with Tokyo Police and Diesel O Fire. And Mio tells Tokyo users, Hey, I got I have members of Mikey and I hope that uh, when I go back home, I can see the doll again and remember all the good times we had with him being a real thing. Did I leave anything out? Not really. Um, no. Yeah. So, I guess I I could kind of call this episode okay, at least, because, I mean, with a character as boring as Mio, sometimes you have to appreciate whatever character development you can get. But, yeah. Yeah. But... A pork it's... dumpling toy? Really? You could have done it so much better. So I mean, I guess it's better than the stupid toys that people had. It's like a representation of AIDS. Yeah, I like this episode. I still didn't like the episode, but I like this episode better. Like the one she did where she was having that relationship with that guy. And that was like, stupid. It, That's I hate that episode so much. And I know this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but uh, a funny thing about that episode, and I'm just going to point that out, the guy who played the girl that she had a crush on was actually the same guy who played Geki Chopper. Oh my god, I actually remember that now. Uh, okay, well, that I, I was just throwing that out there. That's not really that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um. 
next episode, episode 16, and the final one for this part of our review on Tokyo Um Hammer Sato is thanking the General Swartz for helping him out, and General Swartz gives him a tr- uh, dark train to go wreak havoc on people. Meanwhile, the Tokyozers are still meandering around, like, traveling here to there with no real purpose, and arrive at another dark station where they find the children are willingly jumping on the General Swartz's train, and Wright, Mio, and Hikari also enter the train and become, like, they succumb to the power of the train, which keeps in the restaurant talking and eating forever. While the children play around in a museum that they built, that the Sato built. And I just want to say, like, just real quick for this setup, I'm not a huge fan of it because that means that the only Tokugers that are able to help are Togachi and Kagura. Now, Kagura, I have no problem with. It's the fact that Togachi is the other one because yeah. the, the entire time I, this entire series, especially in the early episodes, I got the hint that maybe. Kagura and Hikari had a thing going, so this episode could have been a cool episode to kind of uh, help so The way I see it is, is that I kind of see that Kagura and Hikari are kind of like being shipped together, and Mio and Tadashi, they're kind of shipped together, so that's what I'm thinking. Well, we'll get to that later, but yeah, pretty much. Um, so, Takati and Kagura are separated from the others during all this chaos. And they meet a girl named Ao I forgot how to pronounce her name. It's A-O-I, for those that are interested. Yeah. And she believes her little brother was kidnapped by the train owner, Zendel Swartz. And they discover that it's a satellite train to take away all the hap... To have all the children that are unusually happy and giving them, deep, uh, giving them their deepest desires is to have fun and be kids. With no school, none, whatever. So, Takati and Kagura go find Swartz, and he he kicks them and Aoi out of the train. Aoi, Aoi, I'm gonna call her. You know, I'm gonna call her Amy, because that's easier to say. Yeah. Sorry, Japan. <laughs> so, Kagura and Takati go after the train in police dress, and Amy uses her imagination to find um she helps Kagura find the children who are about to have their dreams masked by the hammer Sato again because he's taking all the deep desires from in them and smashing them just like General Swartz wanted because kids have great amount of desires and they're all really cool and having them destroyed like having a kid's dream destroyed is probably the worst thing you can do and if you're doing that to somebody you're a horrible human being and you used to go Go fling yourself off a building. I don't know. Just, just, just go off and just like yeah, rot, rot somewhere. So, um, Kagura is forced to fight um, him on his own, on her own, and she uses her imagination to snap the three idiots eating out of their trance, and they help fight off Tokyo, uh, not Tokyo, uh, General Swartz, and. Yeah, it's it's just another fight, and they defeat the uh, hammer Sato using the uh, with police resto, and they get the kids back to safety, and they use the 
they used so Tokyo to destroy him. There's really nothing else to the episode. I mean, just more lar lar. We can't defeat him. However, at the very end, something cool happens. Yep. Conductor and Ticket receive a gift from their central uh, rainbow center. We'll see that. Act watch. We see that later. Yeah, we'll see the axle base later on. Um, and the gift that they've been given is called is a um, little iPhone looking device called an applet sensor. Yep. Well, mm -hmm. we don't know what it's called. We just know that it's like a another Tokyo sensor for another Tokyo to be born. Yeah. And another Resta. It's orange colored. So we're getting to six ranger next episode. And that's usually the. Actually, no, no, no. I'll talk about that in the next video. Yeah. Right. But um, this is where we're going to cut um, our review down because we are at 45 minutes for part two. Mm. And I think this is where we would like to have a break and then regroup and get ready for the next part of this uh, mini series. So with further ado, do you have any further uh, thoughts on what we've talked about so far? Well, for me so far, I'd still like the beginning parts with, with Zet and, you know, his introduction. But, and of course, I like Joe Kyrie's episode. Like, that's my favorite episode of all time. Detective Kingdom but, for Life. Exactly. But <laughs> everything else was just, was just mediocre, honestly. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I do like the two filler episodes where they get their new ratios because I want because that definitely showed proof that you can't that this series could give us good filler episodes but still I mean even those filler I've seen better filler episodes from better Sentais so I guess hey. like this point I could say that I didn't hate Tokyujur it was just a Sentai that I thought yeah it was okay and yeah that, that's about it yeah um, for me, it's like I said before, I really thought with Zet appearing, we would get more Zet. And we did for two episodes. He was around, he was doing stuff. And then he kind of faded to the background. He was around, he, he, all he really did was sit in his throne and talk about shiny objects. Meanwhile, Lady Noir is plotting to have him marry her daughter, Glitto, which is a really creepy idea given that he is human and C is the daughter of Grimace from McDonald's. <laughs> um, there's no nice way to put it. C is literally the purple guy from McDonald's um, Grimace. daughter. Grimace. Grimace's daughter. And that yeah. could be possible. I mean, after all, we uh, we don't see her father, so yeah. So who's the daddy? I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, lady. I I just want to know like how, why. Lena is just a creepy looking character. Okay. She just seems just like so creepy looking. The eyes are creepy as hell, and it's really off a topic, but it's still kind of important because he's creepy as hell. <laughs> but. Next time, we'll be meeting a new character, and it'll be pretty awesome. But for now, um, yeah. I think that's the end of our talks on episodes 11 to 16. Yep. So, until next time, uh, farewell.
Bye.